forgot to introduce myself when I, when I first got on stage. My name's Cy Huffer. I'm one of the ministers here at the church. It's my joy to get to be with you all today in person and online. If you're new to College Heights, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Um, just to make sure you know kind of who we are, we are not anything special. Like, we're not perfect people. And so if you're perfect, you won't fit in. Like, we're gonna let you down, okay? We're gonna fail you, okay? We're gonna probably ruin you, okay? So, uh, but if you're imperfect, if you're messed up, you're jacked up like us, man, you're gonna fit right in. Welcome, it's great to have you here because here's the one thing that we have in common as a church family. Um, we're, we're not perfect, but we're loved by a perfect God. Um, we, we, we have made mistakes, we've, we've made decisions that hurt ourselves and those around us, but we have received this gift of grace this gift of love and forgiveness from the God of the universe, and it is transforming us from the inside out. And this gift is such a good gift that we get up every morning yearning to give that gift to others. Like that's why we get up, that's why we give our money, that's why we volunteer, that's why we give our blood, sweat, and tears to this mission of making disciples of Jesus who changed the world is because we've been transformed by the goodness of God and want to just share that so that every person in every house on every street and across every corner of the globe knows the amazing love of Jesus and the God of the universe. That's, that's why we do what we do. And so we receive this gift. We want to give the gift, okay? And, and it's fun to talk about that at Christmas because Christmas is, uh, a lot of it is about gifts. It's about receiving gifts and giving gifts. You have your Christmas shopping list. You got your orders on Amazon. You're praying that they get in on time, right? Um, you have uh, your secret Shanta, secret Shanta, secret Santa shopping that you're doing. You got your name, right? And you're trying to find the right gift for them. And a lot of times we can get kind of overwhelmed with all the details of Christmas. And we can, we can kind of just miss, miss the mark that, that the reason we give these gifts to the same people year after year after year is because we love them. And like we want these people to know, our family, those closest to us, that we care so much about them, that we love them so much that we are gonna give them a gift every year just to remind them just uh, over and over again, I care about you, I see you, I love you. Thank you for being there for me this year. And when I was growing up as a kid, I totally didn't see that big picture. It was about the gifts. Not about giving the gifts, right? But growing up, it was about receiving the gifts. I'll never forget going over to my grandma's house on Christmas Eve and uh, seeing all of the gifts under the tree. And then there are these two big, huge gifts with my name on one, my sister's name on the other. And growing up as a kid, you know the bigger the gift, the better the gift. Yeah? Now, as, a, as an adult, it just, it changes. The smaller the gift, the better, better the gift, right? Okay, so that's, you know, if it's a big gift, it's like, oh, that's a sweater. That's fantastic, you know? But if it's like as an adult, you're like, hey, that's probably a Fitbit watch or a ring or something. But as a kid, the bigger the gift, the better the gift. And so we had all these little gifts, and Allie and I decided we're gonna save those big gifts for last. And so, because we wanna, you know, end with a bang. So we're opening up every small gift, and we're getting this gift, the next gift, and the anticipation is growing. We're getting more and more excited about what's to come. And finally came the moment for us to open our grand prizes. We grabbed our open paper and we ripped it open to discover a matching set of suitcases. <laughs> what every 10 and 11 year old wants yeah. at Christmas, a matching set of suitcases. Come on! Here's, here's the question I wanna ask you today. How do you know what you are waiting for is worth waiting for? 
Like, how do you know what you're waiting for, what you're anticipating, what you're looking ahead to? It's gonna be worth it in the end because when you wait for something, you take a risk. Like, you're making a bet that you're exchanging your time, your attention, your desire, and you're gonna spend all that stuff thinking and waiting and hoping and yearning, and you're never gonna get that stuff back. The time that you think about it, the anticipation, the desire that you have for it, that stuff is just, it's gone. You, don't, you can't get it back. And so you're risking, you're betting that whatever this something or someone is that you're waiting for is gonna pay off at the end. It's all about trust. Do you trust that something or that someone or that some experience to be worth it? How do you know what you're waiting for is worth waiting for? Do you trust that your friend is gonna show up with the truck and help you move? Like, are they worth waiting for? Do you trust that your boss is gonna do what she said she's gonna do and you're gonna get that promotion? Is she worth waiting for? Do you trust that that ride at Silver Dollar City is gonna be worth the hour-long wait? Is it worth waiting for? How do you know, how do you know what you're waiting for is worth waiting for? I have a friend of mine his parents got divorced when he was about eight or so. He was the oldest of three brothers. And it was the typical scenario where he was at mom's house during the week and dad's every other weekend. And him and his three brothers, when it was dad's time to t- pick him up, he would call and say, I'm picking you up on a Friday at 6 p.m. on the curb under the light post. So they'd go out with their bags packed because the dad didn't want to come in and see the mom. It was an ugly divorce. And, and they would wait for dad to show up. And over the next couple years, eight, nine, ten, dad stopped showing up, even when he said he would. And there'd be nights when all three brothers would go out, my friend being the oldest, and they would start waiting. And as the minutes passed, and the youngest would make his way back inside to his mom, the middle brother would make his way half an hour later back to his mom, and my friend would stay out there for literally hours waiting for dad to show up. Till finally it was too dark, couldn't see. And mom would come out and would say, hey, it's time to come in. How do you know what you're waiting for will be worth waiting for? See, my, my guess is this. This year, some of you feel like my friend sitting on the corner under the light post. Except it's not an earthly father that you're hoping will show up. But it's a heavenly father. You're waiting for God to show up and to come into your mess and to come into your world and to begin making all things new. And you go out with your bags packed and you're sitting on the curb and the light shines down on you and maybe it's chronic pain or, or maybe it's a strained relationship and you're waiting and you're yearning and you're praying and you just don't know. He's going to show up. The truth of the matter is this waiting, this on God and the promises that he makes, whether he fulfills them or not, it's not something new as Christ followers. It's not something new that only you do in the history of mankind. Like as a Christ follower, as people who follow Jesus and who's being changed by Jesus and who's on mission with Jesus, you have this whole history of scripture and 2,000 years of church history 
where people from the past, the, the saints that have gone before us, they, they reach through the time warp of history and they give us these hand-me-downs. They give us the legacies and the lives that they have lived as people of God living in a hell on earth then and they teach us what it means to be the people of God living in a hell on earth now. And one of those guys is a guy named Simeon. And Simeon wants to give us a hand-me-down from his life and from his legacy at Christmas because guess what? Simeon was at the first Christmas. And he's here today to show us today in this season, in our world, in 2020, what does it look like to wait on God? There's a summary of his life in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. Can you say that word? Online, say it with me. One, two, three. Waiting. Waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for consolation, the comfort of Israel, that God would show up and rescue Israel from her hell on earth. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen his eyes rested on the Lord's Messiah, the anointed one who was going to make all things new, who was going to rescue Israel, who was the hope for her future. See, Simeon was going out every day with his backpack to the curb under the light post and was waiting for God to show up. Because he and the nation that he was a part of, they were living in a hell on earth. You see, their hell on earth, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the opposing party in their country won the election and was going to be president for the next four years. Or the opposing party was the president the last four years. No, no, no. They were living in underneath a pagan government that was oppressing them, persecuting them, and was enforcing harsh taxes on them regularly. And the emperor was emperor for life. And he was evil. He was an idolater. He was a pagan. He was nasty and dirty. And there was no end in sight for them. You see, their hell on earth wasn't that they were part of a, an American church that's going through identity crisis right now with, in the midst of a pandemic for the last six months. What does it mean church online, church in person, mass, no mass, children's ministry, not like, no, no, no. They hadn't heard a word from the Lord for 400 years. Amos 8 tells us that there's gonna be a famine, not of, of bread and of water, but of the word of the Lord coming to the people of Israel. And for 400 years, longer than the whole age of our country as America, the, the Israelites hadn't heard a word from the Lord. No prophet had come up and said, hey, this is where you need to go. This is what you're doing wrong. Silence. And Micah chapter seven, verse two, it shows us that in this gap of this waiting, of this silence of waiting for a word from the Lord, that there's no faithful or devout. It says it's the faithful. The devout have disappeared from the land and there's no one left who is upright. Then enters Simeon. He's called righteous and devout. Upright. Why? What's so special about Simeon? Here's, here's what's so special about Simeon. Even in the midst of the hell on earth he was living in, he was still waiting for the Lord. Every day he would get up, he would get his bag packed, he'd go out to the curb under the light post, and he was waiting for Abba Father. Like he was waiting for the, the Heavenly Father, for the God of the universe. He was waiting because he believed, he trusted that God was gonna show up. And one day, He's in the temple courts 
And a young family walks in with a baby boy and he looks at them as he's waiting. And the spirit whispers in his ear, it's him. So Simeon jumps up and sprints like old men do with some kind of limp from a knee replacement or a hip or something like that. And he, and he makes his way to the family and they probably are scared to death of seeing this old man run after them, right? And with his limp and it looks like a little bit of a, a Frankenstein's monster. And so finally he gets there and, and he sees the kid and he bursts out into song because he's so excited that finally what he's been waiting for showed up. Look at the song that he sings. He says this in verses 29 through 32. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, say promised. You may now, say promised again. Come on, promised. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Here's, here's what I want to point out to you from his song that he sings. Okay, he's saying this. He's saying this, God... Today, you have fulfilled what you said you were gonna do. My eyes see the baby. You said I was gonna see it. And he basically puts himself in between these two big words. He says, you made a promise and then you fulfilled it. And friends, those two words, promise and fulfillment. God makes promises to us. Jesus makes promises to us. And there is a fulfillment that is coming. But what we do and where we live, this side of heaven, is in between those two words of promise and fulfillment. And it's this world and it's this era and it's this season called waiting. We wait. We trust. We hope that Jesus is gonna do what he said he will do. Because Jesus made some promises to us. Did you know that? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's a promise. We've not seen it fulfilled yet, so we wait. Jesus says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That's a promise. It's not been fulfilled yet. Like There might be other times in our future. We don't know if he's gonna leave us or forsake us. And so we wait. He made a promise. He said, I'm making everything new. He's not fulfilled it yet. So we wait. So let me, start, let me ask that question again that we start off with. How do you know what you are waiting for will be worth waiting for? When I was about 10 or, well, probably about 12 after that uh, suitcase fiasco, um, uh, I uh, went over to uh, our, my parents were in a small group and we went over to the small group and we were hanging out that night and it was just a big party and, and uh, they had the food inside and I went out to the garage and I saw my dad was out in the garage. I didn't know where he was. Went out to the garage. My dad's just a big kid and he was out there playing ping pong with friends in the, in the garage and I had never seen this glorious activity called ping pong before and it was just like God from heaven had given me my future because it was around a ping pong table I'd meet my wife and we would have kids, I know, aw, come on, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so there's this ping pong table, and I'm like, I gotta get me some of that. And so I started playing with my dad and his friends and watching them play, and I became hooked. I was like, this is, I've arrived. Like, this is all I need in life is ping pong. And so for Christmas was coming up, so I asked for a ping pong table for Christmas, right? And so I'm waiting, and I'm talking about it, and we kept, I kept going over to our friend's house and play ping pong, you know, I'm so excited. And so Christmas Day comes, you know, and I come out in the morning, and there's all these gifts under the tree and there's no big square 
thing that's wrapped. I'm trying to like hold my, my disappointment inside. And so I begin opening the gifts, another gift, another gift. And they're nice gifts, they're good gifts, you know, and it's not the ping pong table. And so finally, I open the last gift my parents give me, and it's a, a package of ping pong paddles and ping pong balls. And my dad said, um, son, sorry, we weren't able to get you the table this year. But we got you the, the paddles and the balls instead. You can kind of bounce them up and down and against a wall. And I'm like trying to like contain my disappointment on my face, you know, because like, like they love me and they're giving me great gifts and I want to be appreciative and grateful. But, you know, it's like, come on, this is not the same against a wall. And they all just kind of stared at me and, and I'm trying, like I can't hold my emotions in, like it's just all over my face, you know. And, and then my mom finally says, go look in the garage. And then I knew. Like, I didn't have to go, right? Like, but I did, right? But I didn't have to go because I, I saw this small gift and I knew from my years of growing up with my family, I knew the, the character and the trustworthiness of the gift givers that give me good gifts. And I knew this was a sign. Knowing them, I knew what was sitting in that garage before I went there. So I got up and I sprinted like a young man to the garage Opened the door and there it was, all shiny and new, my ping pong table. Friends, how do you know that you can trust Jesus? That he's gonna do what he said he will do. Here's how. He continues to give you little gifts, blessings, signs of his trustworthiness and faithfulness along the way as you move from promise to fulfillment. That they aren't the ping pong table. It isn't dad showing up at the curb under the, the light post. It isn't the big box in the corner that you have your eye on the whole time. No, 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 no. But there are these little gifts that remind you, I see you, I'm gonna do what I said I'm going to do. And as we see and we receive those gifts, and if we have eyes to see the gifts and eyes to learn about the character and the content, the trustworthiness and faithfulness of the gift giver, we're given faith, we're given hope, we're given trust to be devout and righteous to keep getting up and keep sitting on that curb under that light post and waiting because we know that that God, he's showing himself to be trustworthy for that big gift that is coming. So Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Friends, do you have eyes to see the gift of the underground churches in Iran and China that are growing faster than any other church in the world right now? In communist China and Islamic Iran. Like, that's happening. Satan cannot defeat us. Do you have eyes to see that gift? He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you have eyes to see the gift of, of the past, of how he has consistently shown up through a word, through a song, through a person, again and again and again, and he will do it again. He says, that I'm making everything new. Do you have eyes? You haven't made every, not all things have been made new yet, but you have eyes to see him making your son new. Your parents knew. Your husband knew. You, you knew. Do you have eyes to see the gifts that he has given you along the way? How do you know that what you're waiting for will be worth waiting for? Like, what does that look like? How, 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 do, you, how do you prepare yourself to wait well in between promise and fulfillment? 
How do you do that? Well, so this is the, the sermon I want to give you in a sentence. This one, this one phrase, I want you to remember it before. Just write it down, take a picture of it. But it's this, remember your history, reclaim your hope. Like this is how you wait well. In between promise and fulfillment, remember your history, reclaim your hope. This is what I mean. Remember your history. When you're waiting, look back. Remember how God has shown up over and over and over again. Remember how when you needed a word from the Lord, that sermon came at just the right time or that song was on the radio at just the right time or that friend spoke a word to you or you opened up the Bible and read a verse that just pierced your soul at just the right time. Remember when you needed some money, how God provided for you. Remember when you needed comfort, how he comforted you by his presence, by his spirit, through, through his spirit or through the people of God. And then reclaim your hope. Like, go through the promises that Jesus makes to you and pray them to God. Claim them for yourself and say, Jesus, you promised this. I'm gonna claim that for me. You promised that. I'm gonna expect you to do it. I'm gonna trust you to do it. There's this acronym that I use to kind of help me remember my history and reclaim my hope. And it's the acronym PRAYS, P-R-A-Y and S, okay? And take a picture of this. You can screenshot it um, on your computer if you're online. Um, and actually, we're gonna be fleshing these out for the rest of the week on Facebook and Instagram, so you can make, stay tuned for that on our College Heights um, accounts. But really, it's just do this in the evening before you go to bed or in the morning when you wake up about the previous day. But pay attention to God's presence, that God is there with you. Reflect on the day with gratitude. Reflect on your life with gratitude. How has he shown up? Remember his history. Remember the history of God being faithful to you. A, attend to your emotions. What is happening inside of you as you wait that you need to bring to God? Why? What's your one moment to pray about? Like, what's the one moment for the previous day you want to savor that it was so good you don't want to forget it? Or maybe what's the one moment where you just totally failed and messed up? And you regret that moment and you need to ask someone to forgive you and you need to confess it to God. And then S, strain for tomorrow. Like, what, what are you looking forward to? What do you have hope and trust in that God is gonna do and how he is going to show up in the next day and the day after that and the day after that? Remember your history. Reclaim your hope. Because this is the gift that Simeon wants to give you at Christmas. He wants to give you this gift of remembering your history of how God has shown up, how he is faithful, how God does what he says he's gonna do. And he gives it to us in a baby. Now what's fascinating about a baby is this. I was actually at a party the other day. I'm, I love babies. I love holding babies. They're just so precious and so tiny. And my friend had a newborn about three months old and I went over and was holding little Brooks. And I just sat there and I thought, this baby is just full of they're just so full of stuff. Not that stuff. <laughs> they're full of hope and they're full of a future and a life. So much potential, so much life to live ahead of them. All wrapped up in this swaddling clothes. And when, and when Simeon saw the baby that young couple had, he just saw the future of his nation held in the arms of a teenage girl. Jesus wasn't he, had, he wasn't the ping pong table. He wasn't the big, big gift in the corner. He wasn't the dad showing up at the, at the light post, at the curb. He hadn't done anything. He had been born. Like, he hadn't died on the cross for our sins. And he hadn't risen from the dead and defeated death and sin and injustice and suffering. 
He hadn't ascended to heaven and given us the presence of his Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome evil and hate and, and, and hell and earth around us. And be honest, he hadn't done any of that yet. He, has, he hasn't making anything new yet. He's just been born. And yet Simeon, when he lays his eyes on that baby, he sees the salvation of his nation. You see, the promise was fulfilled by the presence of another promise. And so we have this baby full of hope and full of anticipation and potential and full of waiting. Because the baby does grow up. He does get on a cross and die in your place for your sins on a tree. He does a resurrect from the dead. Guys, three days later, that tomb was empty. Death and evil and sin and injustice, all suffering is done away with. He cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? He also cries out, it is finished. And Simeon reaches through time warp of history and he gives us a hand-me-down. And the hand-me-down is this, that your father... He's not going to leave you stranded on a curb under a light post. He's going to show up. Maybe today you just need to come. We're going to have volunteers on these platforms. And you need to come and pray. You need someone to help you remember the history and reclaim your hope. Because I promise you this, that Jesus, my experience, and the reason all of us are here today, he's worth waiting for. Let me pray. Lord, teach us of your, of your faithfulness. Teach us that you are trustworthy, that you, we can rely upon you. Give us hope. Give us faith that who we're waiting for is worth waiting for. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.